Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to Bimo Visani, Head of Commercial Strategy and Business Development for Ansel, about the growth of wearables and connected PPE. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Bimo Visani, Head of Commercial Strategy and Business Development for Ansel. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jay. Uh, nice to meet you, and thanks for having me on. Thanks for doing it. And uh, before we get into talking about wearables and connected PPE, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and Ansel. Yeah, so uh, I'm uh, Indian uh, by nationality, but born in Africa, grew up in Canada, and I've lived the past decade in the U.S., so truly a global background, and, yeah. and probably heard the uh, the uh, missing link is to Europe, so I married a lady with German heritage, so uh, trying to cover off all bases there. There you go. Yeah, so uh, as it comes to my professional career, I've uh, got a little over 20 years experience in B2C and B2B worlds, both in commercial and marketing functions, uh, companies like Procter & Gamble, and of course, Ansel that we're going to talk about a little bit later today here. And what, yeah, when you could tell me a little bit about Ansel and sort of, yeah, sure. you know, what you guys do. Yeah, so, so Ansel's a 130-year-old company that's really focused on leading the world to a safer future. So we're going to do that through staying two steps ahead of the workplace risk that everybody sees in all functions that they've got. So we're truly... Um, making the lives of workers, safety managers, and organizations better, uh, both through uh, PPE as well as through technologies that we're seeing in the marketplace. And so my role here has really been around leading that commercial strategy and the business development within the Americas and really working to understand the customer pain points, how we, you can, you know, how we can utilize the data that we're building and, and bringing forward uh, with the software that we have and then provide solutions to folks uh, through their everyday challenge that they're seeing in the safety world um, back to their organizations to help their people. Excellent. Well, let's talk about wearables. How, how important are wearables connected PPE to worker safety? So the future is now um, with many organizations, they continue to work to move to this industry 4.0 and now some people are even looking at industry 5.0 and technology is essential to this move and connecting that workplace is going to be more important than ever for organizations that are out there um you know if i if i look at the old world that i've been in you know when you look at walmart what they did was they became a leader in the retail space through really a logistic system that integrated their sales at the till back to the store so they're connecting their infrastructure but not really their employee base at that point not really meant less stockouts higher margins because they had sales on uh, of products that were on shelf if you take that through now to where we are and how important i think wearables is the world of manufacturing is kind of going through that same process so workers aren't just coming to clock in eight hours a day and then they're going to leave they want to ensure that they're working in a safe manner they want to go home to their family the way that they came to the organization or to their to their workplace. And they want to be heard and, and feel a part of that organization as well. Uh, connecting workers within the workplace, it's going to be essential for, for the, the future. Um, you know, and, and just I'll add a little bit more into how the whole generational change that's happening now is that today's generation is a is a show me the data, show me the numbers and give me some facts, right? Um, you know, I've got a, a 20 year old uh in the house here and um you know he 
he's continually asking, so, well, why? Why is this? Why is that? Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you're uh, working with people every day like that, right? I've also got a 20 and a 22-year-old, so. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And so I'll ask you, you know, it's the same thing that I'm seeing in the workplace right now as I travel through many factories around the world, is that this new generation, you know, and, and I pick on my son, so I hope he's not listening to the podcast, but. Um, Somehow I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what, what he'll say is that he hasn't used a pen and paper in over 10 years, right? It's been his phone his laptop, his tablet, whatever he's got in his hands that he's using there. So now we have this generation that's coming to the workforce. And the first thing we do to them is we give them a pen and paper and we go, here's a suggestion box. We want you to feel part of this organization, right? And they're saying that that's not the way I work. I don't even do a safety checklist, for example, with pen and paper. Their cursive is is terrible, right? Because they haven't written in, in a decade since they were, you know, If they're even teaching old. it anymore. Exactly, exactly. So what you're seeing is this whole dynamic change that's happening now where even the workforce is going to start to ask to be connected back to their organization some way and digitally um, and, and not only from a safety perspective, but from an operations perspective, too. Um, what are the different uses uh, of, of wearables slash connected PP? Like, obviously, I know, you know, the obvious stuff, you know, but what, you know, what, uh, you know, part of it was, like you said, connecting your, your workforce. So I imagine, you know, solo workers who are, you know, at remote sites, you can kind of keep track of them. But what are sort of specifically, uh, you know, some of the uses that, uh, that you can get out of these? Well, I think today's atmosphere right now with uh, wearables and connected PPE is if, if you can dream it, it can be configured or built. Um, but really where we've focused our efforts here so far is using wearables as a way to track movements and to alert or signal a risk um, that, that can happen before there's a risk or, or an issue that can develop or to help train to ensure that that issue or that challenge or risk doesn't happen at all. And so um, by utilizing those wearables, uh, for hand and wrist area, lumbar area, um, you can imagine movements can be tracked uh, in multiple ways just to make sure that people are doing things efficiently. Um, you know, if, if, you, uh, if you take a look at that connected worker then, um, not only from a wearable standpoint, but um, you can also connect them back to the machinery that they're working on. So for example, uh, you can put a sensor onto a glove that uh, will not allow the deli slicer, for example, at a um, at a meat counter to work without that glove being on. So that's in close proximity to it. Again, just taking as much of the hazard and the risk out of that situation. Um, the other side of it is the biometrics. And, and this really comes down to when they're in a dangerous environment. You were talking about lone worker, right, which is definitely yeah. a dangerous environment. But imagine that you're working in a chemical refinery in the middle of summer in the Gulf where it gets to 115 degrees Fahrenheit and you're wearing a fully encapsulated suit because they don't want the chemical vapors to get into the onto the person's skin or into being inhaled, um, that that suit gets really, really hot. So you right. want to be able to see the biometrics of that person and make sure that they're not going to have a heat stress incident or that their temperature or their core temperature doesn't uh, move past a certain degree 
because then they get into a distress incident. And that's where, um, you know, organizations just want to stay away from having their employees go through those situations, not only from the worker aspect, but you can imagine that there's a pretty significant cost to those types of incidents happening. Um, how widespread is, is the use of wearables right now? I mean, I know certainly there are plenty of businesses that use them, but, um, you know, where's the market right now and how quickly is it growing? Yeah, so wearables are on the minds of every Fortune 500 CEO in the, in the globe right now. And it's also becoming uh, a quick discussion topic with those medium-sized companies now as well. Um, I think what you're seeing is uh, a change in the way people are looking at data and analytics. Uh, you see it yourself, right? Um, you know, if you're wearing a Fitbit, if you're wearing some sort of a um, potentially a, an, an Apple Watch or something like that, it tells you when to stand up, right? It tells you how many steps you've taken. You're getting the data. You're getting the metrics that are that are coming back from that. What you'll see, though, is that many folks out there in these medium and large size companies, they're looking to incorporate this into their safety and the manufacturing process. Um, but it's starting to get overloaded. And um, what's happening is you got a lot of people that are coming into this segment every day. There's some new startup that's got an idea of how they can use technology or software to build this in. Most of the companies are are coming in and utilizing data as a way to to drive the the value proposition forward uh, to the end users that are out there that the global organizations. What we're seeing is that in this marketplace, although it's growing very very quick, is that people are um, just by providing the data, it's not enough for them to truly understand what to do with that data. How do they take an Excel sheet and then come up with some solutions to it? Now, what Ansel's done is, and that's where we're a little different. We'll take the data, we'll add uh, some insights and understanding to it to then drive to a solution with the partner that's there. And I think this is where, because it's growing so much, um, you know, I caution the audience out there that, that's listening, that as you start to work with organizations on wearables and connected technology, because it's growing so rapidly, that really investigate the company you're working with. Make sure that they're that they're viable and that they're working. I mean, some, you know, you know, maybe working out of garage, not that there's anything wrong with that, because we know Amazon started that way. But when you're talking about the health and safety of workers, uh, you know, within your organization. You really want to make sure these companies are going to be around three, four years, five, ten years from now. Uh, so having a company like Ansel with a strong commitment, a strong cash flow, and knowing that they'll be a long-term partner uh, can really become uh, a choice for a partner as you go on the safety journey and even to things outside of um, wearable technology into things like hand protection, suits, sleeves, those types of things. What else, you know, in addition to that, should uh, a business consider when they're when they're choosing wearables uh, for their workers? Uh, what you know, what are some of the things that you know, you know, brand aside uh, that folks should look look for? So you know, with the wearable, you want to ensure that it's not um, going to impede or infringe on the person's daily job or make it more difficult for them to actually do what what they're doing on a daily basis. Uh, you want to make it comfortable and easy for them to understand how it's uh, how it's being utilized. 
I think most importantly, to get your adoption from those workers, you need to have some connect, uh, connectivity back to what the data is telling you and helping them to do their job better or to ensure that they don't have some sort of risk or challenge face them through, through the work they're doing. Um, things like apps that uh, show them their data on movement uh, on a daily basis, I think really help. It demystifies it, right? Because there's always a mistrust of, hey, why am I wearing this this uh, this thing that is on my sleeve or it's on my shoulder or on my back? How are you going to use that against me, right? There's Again, it goes back to that new generation of there's a little bit of skepticism, right, as to why you're doing this. Are you doing it for me or are you doing it for the company? And I think everybody out there that I've talked to, the safety aspect is always done for the worker. So being transparent with them, I think it's the most important aspect of this in the wearable technology. Uh, and, you know, the when you have the data, you, know, you mentioned sort of you get the data back. Uh, you obviously should use it for more than just monitoring. Like what, you know, how would you recommend, uh, you know, a company that, you know, that's getting those reports back on a regular basis? You know, what are, what are some good ways to kind of, you know, be proactive with that data uh, and to improve things? Yeah, so I mean, I think, um, you know, the data is only as good as what you do with it, right? So, so you're bang on with getting to think more through it. I think initially what a lot of people are doing is just getting a, a baseline understanding of, of what the data is saying and what it means for, for their workers, right? So I'll give you an example with our, our uh, platform, our IntelliForce Motion. We're able to measure the hand and wrist motions of uh, frontline workers with a pod that sits on the back of their hand in, in six key different modes. So we, we went with the karate kid uh, way of looking at it. So paint the fence is flexion extension. You have waxing, which is uh, radium ulnar deviation. And then you have turning a doorknob, which is supination and pronation. And so by tracking those movements, if you talk to a customer out there or to an ergonomist, what they'll say is there's a couple of phases that they look at. So that first phase is, give me a baseline of how people are actually moving their hands. Let me see what they're actually doing when they're working on a, on a daily basis. And then the next phase becomes, is there a way for us to get a best case scenario, right? So is there somebody that does this in a way that isn't gonna be hazardous long-term to creating an MSD, or more efficient for them so that they're not doing inefficient motions that may cause a strain or may cause repetitive injury because they're doing it for a prolonged period of time. And then that third phase becomes, how do you start to change that behavior? And you can do it through things like haptics. So you can give them a gentle buzz that says, hey, look, have your hand in this, in this uh, position more once you have those learnings. And I think that's where you start to see the, the, um, the move from just a piece of data and analytics that tells you where it is to actually uh, driving and, and developing a safety program with your sales force from, from a, a connected uh, technology. And would you basically kind of take those learnings that you get from the data to, you know, sort of lead into ergonomic training where you kind of say, this is the right way to do it. Uh, and this is the wrong way to do it. And this obviously, you know, we're, we've been noticing that, you know, you're, maybe putting yourself at risk of an injury. So this is the way you should do it. Like, is that kind of the logical next step? Yeah, definitely. Cause you know, you got to remember that if you've got a 20 or 25 year old person working in your organization, they're not thinking about their MSD that's going to develop when they're 40 years old. 
right? But that's just not the way that they think. They think they're invincible. And so if you show them the data that says, hey, look, you know, the average person moves 95, 9,600 times a day in the hand and wrist area is, is uh, a, a good movement. And you're moving 15,000 times a day. Um, what we found is that you can move 8,500 times a day in this job. And we want to teach you how to do that. I think that's the way you start to look at um, taking that and, and training your folks. And, you know, what we found through um, NSC, for example, is that uh, 80 percent of the injuries are happening within the first three months of people being on a job. And so that training aspect can really help them. Is that also helpful for, you know, say folks who have been working for decades, but maybe just have been doing it an inefficient way or in a way that's not necessarily ergonomically sound where you can kind of say, hey, I know you, you know, you're used to doing things this way, but, you know, you can, you know, really save your back if you, you know, you do this. Yeah, 100% uh, working with an aerospace company right now where we're dealing with some people that have 12, 14 years experience doing the same job. And they knew that they were moving a lot in the hand and wrist area, but until we actually showed them their numbers, they were just, wow, we had no idea that we were moving that much. We just worked with them a little bit, showed them some different ways of doing things, and it changed the dynamic. One, because it's not coming from their safety person, so it's not like a top-down approach to the organization uh, of them being told what to do. You're showing them data and analytics, and again, I'm going to go back to even, even people who have been in the workforce 30 years now have a cell phone, right? Everybody has apps that they're using in some sort of way that's telling them analytics of what they're doing on a daily basis. And so they're getting used to getting data. Now, every generation is used to this. It's just another way of showing them in a really impartial way of having a third party come in, say, hey, there is another way to do this job. Um, I know you've been doing it great for the last 20 years, uh, or the last 15 years, but um, here's another way to look at it. So you mentioned uh, the IntelliForce motion series. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how it got started and, and sort of, you know, what your plans are for it going forward. Yeah, so, um, you know, Ansel was really looking at the landscape of PPE, and I think there was, uh, you know, a ton of uh, people coming through, especially through COVID. We saw many, many entrants. So there was watch manufacturers in Asia that were, converting over their lines to making disposable gloves, right? And and so it just went absolutely nuts here. And, and we also realized that um, PPE is very important, but it's um, it's becoming something where we got to look to where the new challenges are, right? And so when you go back to our mission statement of keeping people safer uh, in the future, uh, the whole idea of getting into technology had to come to the forefront. So this was our way of, of really uh, looking at how do we stay relevant to our customers and, and still be that strong partner with them uh, for the next decade, next 20 years of, of working with them. And, and so when we looked at this one, it was all about connecting technology and also developing services within a safety atmosphere to help these safety managers that are coming in. because. That's even changed, Jay, to be honest with you. So, you know, 10 years ago when I came into the industry here into safety, what I found was that the normal or average safety person had 15, 20 years with the company, they worked on the shop floor, maybe they lost, you know, a finger or lost their hearing, 
And that drove them to being more safety conscious and they became a safety champion at that facility. It's changing. We have people that are going to school. There's going for a four year degree that's specifically behind safety, right? And that idea behind safety, again, it's this new generation of safety managers. They're looking for analytics They're looking for the data. And to stay relevant, we felt we needed to go into this into this area of technology and find a way to 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 make sure that we're staying on the forefront of industry 4.0 and 5.0 as we we go through this. And so how it really started was a conversation with our now CEO, who was our uh, previous president of our IGBU, um, uh, Neil uh, Salmon, and then also our CCO in the Americas, Sean Sweeney, uh, really looking at how do you take the technology? And so they looked at a few companies. We created some alliances with some folks that had some technology in the market that we thought would resonate, put them into um, into the marketplace with a few very strategic customers that we wanted to see and saw the relevancy and saw how it benefited them and really changed the way they looked at safety with this new technology and services area. And, and this business unit has grown from that. And IntelliForce is basically right now it's it's gloves that have this, the sensors built into them, correct? So it's and that's monitoring sort of the hand and wrist movements. So so this is where it's it's uh, it's an ever changing climate. So so if you think of the platform as being you know a, a Lego board, right? You know we all have that Lego that uh, you put a moat here, or you put uh, you know the Star yeah. Wars X X wing over there. I I know I'm dating myself, but it sounds like we're probably <laughs> same age, um, that um, think of the platform as a way to utilize it to have different legs that, that come into it. So that motion capture, that MSD mitigation uh, pod is one of the legs that you can do to it. So they can wear it uh, underneath the glove. They can wear it over a glove with the hand okay. strap that we've got on there. The other uh, portion of it is this idea of digitizing their safety um, their safety journey. So today you've got things like forklifts, for example, where somebody has a clipboard with a pen that has a string on it that's wrapped around it, and that clipboard sits on that that uh, that forklift. And somebody comes in every day and they check a couple of things off. Says, "Yeah, the horn works, the brakes are working, all that kind of stuff." That's a very manual process. Um, you have to hope that all that data goes back. Uh, to the system, somebody keys it in, there's an inefficiency in there. By digitizing that whole process, you can start to get predictive on what your safety challenges are. So it may be that three times somebody said something's a little off with these brakes. It's not that they're not working, but something's a little off. And you can have an alert that says after three times, safety is going to come in and shut that thing down so that maintenance goes and, and looks at it. In the old world, without a digital way of doing this, it would take weeks, maybe, maybe an incident happens and an injury occurs that could have been prevented. So it, it there, there's different ways of us getting involved in safety. Um, we can even get into uh, areas where we make sure they're wearing the right product at the right time in the right place, because they may have a, an increased danger in, say, a press shop area than from a warehouse. So you want them to wear different types of PPE and you want to make sure that they're wearing that PPE. So there's a multiple way, and you know, if they, if uh, any of the listeners here listen uh, and go to Ansel.com and look up Intelliforce, they can easily see some of the other things that that we do, uh, and uh, get my contact details, and I'd be more than happy to to speak to any of your your listeners. 
Um, so where do you, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, things are changing rapidly with with wearables and connected PP. Where do you see the market going in, you know, a decade or so? Yeah, so I, you know, I really look at this as you're going to see significant consolidation and a move to more visualization technology where you can do it, right? So um, people aren't going to come into work and put on five or 10 sensors. Uh, it, it's not going to work on a large scale both financially, right? Because it's going to cost a lot of money to the organization to have five or 10 of these sensors. But then imagine 20, 30 people coming in for their shift and having to put on five or 10 sensors. It's going to take them an hour to get ready. Um, You know, could you imagine coming in an hour ahead of time to get dressed to go to work? Uh, We're not all Hugh Jackman being, uh, you know, Wolverine that we can go in four hours before our shift, right? (laughs) So I, I think you're going to see that consolidation. You'll start to move to um, less sensors uh, for more parts of the body. Uh, and then you'll also get consolidation in the actual companies as well, because you, you, you know, uh, organizations out there are not going to want to work with 10 different companies, right? To get yeah. They're going to want one, one specific area, one place for them to go. Um, I think uh, the the other thing that I think is going to change pretty significantly over the next couple to three years is the idea of data and utilization of data from, you know, right now a lot of people are just getting Excel sheets, right, or CVS files. And I think what you're going to do, what you're going to see is a lot of this capturing of data move to utilizing AI and machine learning to quickly interpret and showcase to the customers how they can solve the problems and what they should do with it, uh, rather than just having data that's being captured. And, and I think that's where the next, um, what I'll call the, the next phase of this whole connected technology is in the workplace. Um, it's quickly gonna move to AI uh, and machine learning uh, to give people the answers that they need to make sure their workers are safe. So it'll kind of do the analysis for you. Exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, people don't have time, right? That's the biggest, um, it, the efficiency of time is what I'm seeing is the the biggest improvement for folks. Safety people, if you, if you think of it, most organizations that have five to 600 people in a facility have two to three safety people, right? Um, I can tell you in, in Mexico, for example, dealing with a lot of customers down there, they're seeing nearshoring happening right now, right? Where everything's coming from Asia and it's coming to Mexico because it's easier to get to the US in case something like another COVID happens. And so you're seeing these companies increasing by their their footprint in their factories doubling in some cases, and they're adding two, 3,000 people. And they're only adding one more safety person for those two or 3,000 people. They don't have the time to truly do it. So what they can do is then utilize this as a way of making sure that that their people are being kept safe through technology um and and you know just one other thing i'll add is that i think what you'll see for mid and small companies out there is if they're really forward thinking it's kind of like what happened with cell phones in asia and and i know this is going to sound really weird that i bring up this this area but asia and, and so if you look at southeast asia thailand laos those kind of places when the cell phones came in, they had a choice to either put in fiber optics and lay the lines or put in cell towers. And they decided to go with cell towers. And that was a little bit ahead of even what 
we were seeing in the industrialized worlds like the US's and, and those kind of places where they were installing these towers everywhere and they leapfrogged us in that idea of telecommunications. I think safety is going to go through this same sort of idea. Why would you put in safety protocols and processes that are five, 10 years old? Why wouldn't you leap ahead? Because technology makes more sense to do it. Make a little bit more investment now to get into it, but have that longer term benefit behind it versus what they traditionally would do is they just go to, oh, you know what? So, um, you know, this company did this eight, 10 years ago. Why don't we put it in here? Right. Uh, and we'll wait to see what else comes in. And, and so I think, you know, that's where I see the world going uh, when it comes to this technology and, and connected workers and, and in the entire infrastructure that we've got. Well, so I imagine just the technology itself will get better and, you know, smaller and probably, you know, faster. So, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, just like just like phones, you know, yeah. so I imagine yeah, okay. that that gets that's just going to get even better as as the years go on, too. Yeah, remember the size of our first phone? It's uh, it's crazy now to see what. I had a, what I had a car was. phone. You remember those? Oh you yeah, used it in the yeah. car. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's crazy to think that we had cord phones, right? For for so long too. You'd have a forty foot cord so you could take it into your yep. room and have yep. some privacy. But uh, I mean, I, I think that's. I mean, obviously, that's the other area that you'll see is things will get smaller. But that visualization technology, there's some visualization technology that's out there right now that's starting to emerge. And it does good work in some situations, but it's not a perpetual look. So, you, you know, it's tough to have a camera in front of somebody while they're doing their work, right? Nobody wants a boss over their shoulder. Nobody wants a camera on them the whole time. So it's more of a training aid versus an actual capture of what the you know what the risk is that that they're dealing with. I think when you look at the visualization technology, if we get to a point where you start to showcase people in phase one here that having these analytics is going to help them be more productive, be happier. So for example, you know with what we're doing with this aerospace company right now, what they're seeing is fewer injuries. Um, with MSDs, but they're also seeing fewer people calling in sick on a Monday morning because they've had time to recuperate because they're not as tired on Friday afternoon mm-hmm. because they're not having that repetitive stress on them, right? We're, we're changing the way that they're working. Uh, and so with people uh, looking at it even that way, they're going to see the improvements over time uh, through these phases. And then that'll, that'll keep kind of moving through to to, to developing this visualization technology that then they'll be okay with somebody watching their work just to make sure that they get home safely. I, I, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think there there's going to be a, a place for it in the future where people will be able to, to see how they work through the day. It's like, um, I mean, I, I don't know, the 20 and 22 year old that you have, if they were in sports um, at a high level, I know my, my son played high level hockey in the Northeast and he's getting video breakdowns all the time, right? And that's in youth sports. Yeah. The idea yeah. of bringing it into adult work makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be some privacy concerns there and all that, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, that'll have to be worked out. And people Definitely. will have to, workers will have to trust that, you know, you're not, like you said, I think you mentioned it earlier that, you know, you're not trying to kind of get one up on them. That you're, it's for their benefit, not for, you know, you to keep track of them. But, exactly. 
Well, yeah, it, so there's some, there's some work to do there, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and you know, that's the interesting part. Because most people have talked to me, they've, they've always asked, well, how are unions dealing with this, right? This just seems like mm-hmm. a union would be so against this. And what we found is totally the opposite. That platform, the IntelliForce platform that allows the connected workers to interface back to the organization through things like hazard identification or, uh, you know, improvements or, you know, how to do things better observational. It gives them a platform to show, hey, 15 of our employees provided input that this was an unsafe situation uh, and nobody's done anything about it. So when they go to union negotiations, they're saying, look, we now have data to go back. And say management keeps saying that they're doing everything for us, but they're really not, right? They're they're not they're not coming to the forefront with us. So I think there's opportunities uh, for both the organization and for the employees to see a win-win on this. Yeah, it's definitely interesting stuff. It'll be cool to see uh, see how it develops. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, Bimal, I want to thank you so much for uh, joining me today. This has been great. Thank you. Hey, it's, it's a great, uh, great to always talk about the uh, the technology forefront that we're all going through. And again, appreciate your time and appreciate the uh, listeners' times here too. And and if anybody wants to get a hold of me, please uh, be more than happy to talk more about it. All right. That wraps up episode 188 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.